right. Making our way to the front. Good evening, everybody. Let me uh, change this setting here real quick. Hope you guys are doing good. Right, we are up and going. Okay, this is uh, Revelation chapter, well, Revelation part 21. We're still in chapter 1. I know we're going very, very slow, but there's a lot to cover here. Because this is the revelation <clears throat> of Jesus Christ. And I know everybody wants just, you know, give me some prophecy, give me this, and, you know. I'm always amazed that God, through the Old Testament, He told Moses to make the tabernacle according to the pattern. And then He gave them about 1,500 years before Jesus came. And during that 1,500 years, all that they were doing, everything about that tabernacle, every feast, every bit of it was pointing to him. And when he came, they missed the day of their visitation. They hung the Son of Man on a tree. They said, we'll not have this man to rule over us. I'm amazed. And when you... Uh, come in to church today. People want fast answers. You know, America. You remember we used to see those pictures and, you know, here's Jesus and here's people sitting around listening to him teach. You know, when he taught um, those people, when he fed the 5,000, they were with him uh, two or three days out in the wilderness. Now, uh, you know, people just want, you know, let's come, let's get our emotional high. And, and boom, he said, learn of me. That's why we go slow, learn of me. You know, we went to school for, for you know, 13 years. Some people went longer. Uh, but just, you know, learning math and English and, uh, you know, when we went, history and, and all of those things, social skills, it was learning. He said, learn of me. So that's why we go slow. And, and in to, today we're going to be looking at this one like a son of man. Look, I'm in verse 13. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like and unto a son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot. We talked about that garment last week. And gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Gird about the paps is what we're going to talk about today. I mean, here's John. He turns to see the voice that spake with him, a voice like a trumpet, and he's, he's astonished as, as he beheld the wonder of this one clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, that word, paps, uh, I hope you'll stay with me on, on this and... Because this is so important. 
that word paps is the word mastos. And, and you know, uh, it, it means uh, exclusively the female breast. You know, uh, women, when they have cancer, they have a mastectomy. Uh, it's the word mastos. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 27, uh, just solidify this. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. <coughs> John sees a man, one likened unto the Son of Man, with a garment down to his foot, gird about the paps, his female breast. He sees a man with female breasts. Let me just say it that way. I mean, we, we have a woman's breast while he's looking at one like the Son of Man, who's the Almighty. What we have here is the dual nature of, of God who is both male and female. I know that's strong and it, it comes up against some of our religious mindset because he's, he's father. But I hope today as I go through this you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, he's both male and female, strong and a mighty one. Our father who is also El Shaddai. Anybody who studied names of God, El Shaddai means our mother. It means uh, the poor forth, who 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 pours himself out for, uh, you know, pours herself out for their offspring, who gives them his flesh and his blood, who satisfies them with the milk from his own bosom, who sheds forth his spirit and says, "Come unto me and drink." Open thy mouth wide, and I fill it. Who pours into them his very nature and life that they may grow to become his sons and daughters. We must drink of the sincere milk of the word. We must drink his very lifeblood if we're, if we're to grow and abide in him. Know him in his fullness, the sincere milk of the word. You know, that cup that he gave him, drink ye all of it. It's, it's my blood. I mean, he's, he's given us his life. And it's seen in these natural pictures. And, and I want you to get a hold of this. I was... Working this study up, and I, I begin to see this all—all all aspects of human life. When I say all aspects, spirit, soul, body, whatever—and and the right natural relationships which which God has ordained in our lives are designed to reveal something in God Himself, to to show us something of God. You know, when He sent Moses a, uh, back down to Pharaoh, He said, "You'll be a God to him." In other words, you'll be bringing a revelation of who God is. Because God has chosen to reveal himself in the ultimate man, the son of man, the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. So even in these natural relationships here, there is a revelation. Because if you're going to see Christ, where are you going to see him? You're going to see him where he is. Where is he? He's in his people. Man has been created and formed in the image and likeness of God. God has given us eyes. Therefore, we know that God possesses the faculty of sight. We have ears. We know God can hear. 
We have a voice and we can, we can speak revealing that he possesses the power of speech. I know these, these things you may say, these are elementary things. The complexity and intelligence of the mind of man is the picture of God's own omniscience, his all-knowing. We think, reason, act, work, create as a revelation of the omnipotent power of him who made us. He is a father to his children, providing for their needs and wants and training and education. education. Uh, all of this in love. But there's something deeper than this, something that corresponds to the tenderness of a mother in holding and nursing and nurturing and caring for and comforting the weary and wounded spirit of her child. Mothers are the tenderest image in humanity. Mothers, not women, mothers. There's a difference there. Real mothers. The tenderest image in humanity. There, there's something in, in God which corresponds to that power of tender and compassionate feminine nature. Something of which the feminine, uh, that, that feminine care and comfort is only uh, the pale earthly reflection. So yes, God is mother as well as father. Only he is so much Finer a mother than the finest mother that you have ever seen. Now that's hard to, you know, we, it's hard to get that picture. And, and I want to tell you something here. I was thinking on this the other day. Uh, well, just this week, Tracy, you know, if you're out there watching, hey, baby. Um, you know, here I'm a man and, and, a, and a dad and raise kids and, and she's a mother. And she tells me some of the things she does, uh, and I just I shake my head sometimes. I think, my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna spoil those kids. The the things that she does, and and then it dawned on me. You know, the scripture says, "How beautiful are the feet of them which preach the gospel, the gospel of peace." And I began to realize that in her very actions, she is is bringing a revelation of the tender mercies of God right into those children's lives. The very uh, things that she does, just the little things. And it's like, oh my gosh, it seems like with she's, she's, she's never tired. I know that she is, but she just she gets up before they do. She goes to bed after they do. And she just going and going and going and doing those things. And, you know, I sit back and I look and I think, Wow, why would you do all that? Then I realized this is the, the, the tender nature of God being revealed here. Yes, dimly because he's so much more. He's so much better. But the, this is what I'm talking about in those relationships that they bring about a revelation of who God is. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And though we have the, 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 the training and the discipline and the strength and the protection of a father, we have the tender tenderness and compassion of a mother all in one God is a mother as well as a father and there's many references to God as mother in scripture um, Isaiah 
um, 66. Had to flip over there. Isaiah 66. Verse 13. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Genesis uh, 1 and 2, I won't go there, I'll, I'll go to this other one, but we see the Spirit hovering, brooding over the face of the deep. That, that word brood or hover, that's a, that's a hen. You know, roosters don't sit on the eggs. The hen, the, the mother does. She, she broods over, she keeps them warm, she rolls them around, she takes care of her chicks. So the, the, right out of the gate, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. In verse 2, we get a picture of God, the mother. Yeah, I think on those things. Uh, Deuteronomy 32. In verse 18. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Uh, the, that beget thee, uh, that is uh, travailed in your birth. Who gives birth? The woman does. So what God is saying as, as of the rock that beget thee. Here he's portrayed as a disappointed mother who bore us and brought us forth. That's Deuteronomy 32.18. Uh, in the scriptures when it says under the shadow of his wings, and I know we've talked about this before many times, and, and that has a reference to covenant, but it has a reference to mother because, again, the mother hen is the one who has the wings that gathers her chicks. So this whole uh, covenant here is a covenant of mercy. We see, we see the covenant most revealed here in, in the woman, in the mother, in the, in the tender compassion, the very word mercy. As I, he said, I would have gathered you as a hen doeth gather her chicks. As she gathers her brood uh, for heed and protection. Jesus says, I would be a mother to you. If God, by his grace, has given you a wonderful father and the love of a, a godly mother, he's given you something of himself. Because all that is good in a father and mother comes from God. From his own nature and state of being. That's where it comes from. God made the heart of a father. Why? Because he is a father. God made the heart of a mother. Why? Because he's a mother. God made the heart of a mother and made her the finest, tenderest, most loving thing you could ever know. So that you could understand something about him. I know we see it sometimes, but who is it gets up with the babes in the middle of the night? All through the night, no matter. I mean, you know, once, once a mother uh, gives birth, her sleep is over for the next 40, 50, 60 years. Go ahead, find out. Uh, He's given us something so that we could understand something about Him. That's, that's what a, a godly mother is and a godly father is so that we could find out something about Him. Now, I want to tell you, uh, some people get the wrong view. I, know, I knew 
this person one time, his father was a little rough, and, and he, was, he, was a, he was a minister, but boy, I mean, he was, he was quick to the belt. And, and many times he would leave his family and go away and, and, and go, go preaching for weeks at a time and, and leave the family at home with a mother uh, not in very good shape. And the kids had to take care of everything. When they came back, boy, if something wasn't done, they got a beating. And so they get this image that that's a good, that that's what God is like. And no, that is not. If you want to know what he's like, he has to be seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but even in that, we can get glimpses, flashes of light in if we have a good father, a good godly father and a good godly mother. We can see the, the, the protection, the love, the tenderness, the, the, the strength of God himself. I don't know, my words are lacking here. I hope that you understand what I'm talking about. Because I'm going to tell you, um, for your children, their impression of God will be how you are seen by them. If, if you are uh, mean and, and all of those things, they will think that's who God is because you will be a God to your children. It's just the way it's set up. So if you want a father and you want a mother, the best of the best, Jesus, come to the Lord. Jesus says, come unto me, learn of me. You learn how to be a father, learn how to be a mother, all from him. Now John sees this one, son of man, Female breasts, gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Now the word mother is not directly used for God in the Bible. People can make that argument saying, well, he's, not, he's none of that. He's always listed as a he. It's because with God, father includes mother. And I'm going to show you here. God made man in his own image. After his likeness, Adam was both male and female within himself before Eve was taken out of his side. Separate, taken out of his side and separated and brought forth into a unique expression of man. Let me show you something in Genesis. Now, uh, Genesis chapter 5. The Bible, this one's falling apart on me. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them. And blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. He called their name Adam. Adam, before Eve was... Uh, Taken out from him was, and I could never get this word right, Andronius. I'm probably saying that wrong. Somebody can correct me. He was both male and female. And, so, and he was made in the image and likeness of God. So that would mean God is both male and female. He's complete and whole within himself. He's complete. Both. He can bring forth out of, out of himself. This is why some aspects of his nature are revealed as masculine. Some aspects of his nature are revealed as feminine. God begat everything out of himself. 
He didn't have to have a wife. He's complete. We, we see the pattern in which Adam was created. It was when Adam was asleep that God removed Eve from him. He didn't take another piece of dirt and make Eve. He took Eve from him. So, so Adam was both. And today he created uh, the male and female, created he them. Put him to sleep and, and took from him. And I know it says a, a rib, but it, it's, it's not a rib. The Hebrew is deeper and, and suggest that she was taken from his reproductive or, organs. Thus the beginning of husband and wife relationship before Eve was separated from Adam. Now, th- now think on that before she was even separated. We've, we've been taught that when a couple becomes married, they learn to grow together and begin to form a union, uh, which I understand that. But in reality, the creation story is just the opposite. Adam was one. Eve was within him. The creation story, they were complete. Eve had to be separated from him, removed from him, so that he could fully understand the union that he had. So that he could fully understand the union that he had. I mean, when Paul said this mystery, mystery something that's clouded, something we can't get a hold of, which is Christ in you. You join to him head and body, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, this great mystery, the body of Christ. It started out complete. It had to be separated so he could understand the union. Just as Eve was in Adam, so all the strength of the father and all the tender love of the mother are combined in the word father. It's all there together. I hope we can understand that man in the beginning was created male and female. And, and that male and female is the image of God. Male and female is the image of God. I don't know, when you think on these things, does it bring a lot of things to your mind? Boy, it brings a lot. You're complete in Him. Um, he, didn't, he didn't make two. God didn't make two. He made one. He created one. Adam. Male and female, he, he made both in one after the image and likeness of God. Now, when I'm talking about the image and likeness of God, uh, I don't want you to think God is six foot tall and brown hair or, you know, as the picture of the Sistine Chapel, over here you say that. Where God is an old man with a long gray beard, and he's laying back, you know, with his finger out. Um, no, it, it's not a body with arms and legs. It, it's the emanation of the nature of God. And, and we're given that in, in these natural pictures, in these natural bodies. Because God has a father nature, he had to birth a son. When one has a father nature, the deepest, the deepest craving is, is to beget and bring forth out of his own being an offspring in the likeness of himself, out, out of the overflow. He couldn't help it. Uh, 
And now we have two bodies here, Adam and Eve, but they're one flesh. You know, that's what we say when we uh, do the ceremony. These two are joined together. They're one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. Now, it wasn't the burning desire of Adam that caused Eve to come forth. He didn't even know. It was the purpose of God. God said it's not good for man to be alone, Genesis 1.18, that the man should be alone and I will make him a helpmeet for him. That word helpmeet, that means... Uh, to fit, it means to join, to combine, agree, fusion, be together. Now when Eve had been built and presented to Adam, he had an immediate name. And her name wasn't Eve. Okay, that was later on. He didn't give her a name like we do. Hey, I think I'll call her whatever uh, I'll call her Morgan uh, he, didn't, he didn't do that he gave, her a, he, he gave her a name according to what kind she was you know he's just been naming everything uh, to see whatever he would call it and it was after it's kind okay the kind that she was now what kind was she man in the Hebrew is the word ish I-S-H. Now, Isha, I-S-H-A, is the feminine form of Ish, or man. Let me paraphrase what Adam said. This is now bone out of my bone, flesh out of my flesh, because she was built out of what was taken from me. I will call her Isha, listen, a female man. Think on that. Just let that ponder around. Let that roll around a little bit. He was a, Adam was a male man. She was a female man. Boy, I'll tell you what, any gender people watching me today, they'll, I'll probably get, uh, uh, yeah, think about that. Now, I know we got all these gender things going on. Now, Adam says, I'm a ish. I'm a, I'm a male man. She's a Isha. She's a female man. Only two genders I know. And God confirmed Adam's understanding that they were both exactly alike despite the obvious outward differences. They were simply two parts of the same thing. Now let me go back to, to chapter 5 and let's, let's settle the gender debate right here. This is the, uh, anybody who thinks there's 37 different genders, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Now, maybe there's somebody that's outside of Adam. I don't know. But anyway, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Him. Male and female. Created he them. How many genders? Two. Both of the man, Ish, Isha. And blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. 
called their name Adam. The man's name wasn't Adam. The woman's name was not Adam. Their name was Adam. Now get a hold of that. Both of them in the image and likeness of God. Isha signifies manness of that kind, a female man. It's interesting. God said, let us make man in our image. Now, image is in the masculine gender. You know, when I think of these things, I, I have to go back to my, my great uh, Spanish. You know, I, I've, I learned many, many Spanish words, like 14 or 15. Uh, but, you know, senor, senorita, there's a male and a female gender here. Image is in the masculine gender, gender and likeness is in the feminine gender. You can check this out. Only a father, mother, God could have created both male and female out of image and likeness. God is unity and union. He's not two individuals, a masculine person and a female person. He's one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, both with, with these characteristics. It's nature. The, the female was contained within the male. That's why God is called He. For father includes mother. I mean, we're instructed to, play, uh, to pray uh, by the Lord Jesus Himself, our Father. Included in the word Father is Mother. That's the point I'm trying to make here. That's what we see here, uh, what John has seen in the Son of Man. Gird about the paps with a golden girdle. This Man in the image of God is destined to have dominion over all the works of his hands. He's created in God's image, male and female, sons and daughters, to be the revelation of both the strength and wisdom of God's fatherhood and the tenderness and sustaining life of God's motherhood unto all creation. You know, we were talking... Uh, last week about the priest, the king, the judge, it takes all three. The same thing in a, in a family. The reason our, our country's falling apart today is because of the very family structure is torn down because you can be the best father in the world and no mother, or the best mother in the world and no father. It takes both. That's the way God set it up. That's the way it's designed to be. Father and mother together, these two are one. We see it right in the beginning when he made Adam. He was both male and female. Now, God makes us partakers of his own nature. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. A one agreement hath the temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God. We'll come back to that verse later. 
As God hath said, I will dwell in them. Why didn't he say, I will dwell with them? He said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do you know, let me just stop right there. We've went over this before, many lessons back. He says, I will be their God. Um, I want you to understand what that means. Like, it, it, it's, it's not in, in the sense like, uh, I will own them. Of course he does in that sense. But what he is saying here is, I will belong to them. Now think on that. What a possession. I will belong to equal here. We belong to him. He belongs to us. What a relationship. I just want you to let that roll around a little bit. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. Now here's this word again, father, mother is included in that. I will be a father and mother unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Almighty, what is that, El Shaddai? El Shaddai, the breasted one. Now I hope to not be offensive here, but Ah, the gospel is offensive, so who cares, right? If this is offensive, turn it off, right? That's what I say. You don't like it. Without male and female, there can be no increase. Without male and female, there can be no increase. That's why homosexuality is such a curse and outside of divine order. It's contrary to nature. It's a love for the same, and it produces no seed. It cannot increase. You know, except a quarter of wheat fall into the ground and die about it alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much, much uh, increase. I, I mean, this whole thing is about increase. And the way the Lord has set it up, the only way that there could be increase is male and female. So homosexuality is... Under a curse. Outside of divine order. Now I know we're supposed to be tender, but you know, in, in that sense, uh, you know, there's no gray areas in, in the Lord. It's light or darkness. I mean, that's the way it is. He didn't say come out of the gray. You were in the darkness. He didn't say you were in the gray. You were in the darkness. Either you're in the darkness or you're translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, let me just add something right here. I, I have seen people that, that uh, men that's had feminine qualities from, from natural birth. I don't, I don't know if it's the way they're raised. I don't know. But sometimes, you know, you can just kind of tell. A little soft, I guess, way nice word to put it. But let me tell you something else. I've also known 
children that were born with a kidney defect or heart defect or one leg shorter than the other. What I'm saying is they were born, something wasn't right. That's why all of us, all of us, before we can come into the kingdom, before we can even see the kingdom, must be born again, must be born from above. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We had to be born again into this lively hope, okay? Let me keep going with this right here. I hope you can see what I'm talking about because these, these natural pictures, I always say this, give us a picture of something in the spiritual. It, it's like sons who want nothing to do with the bride of Christ. Now think on that. Sons who want nothing to do with the bride. Or, or uh, spiritually lesbian churches whose only revelation is the bride. We're the church, we're the church, we're the bride of Christ, bride of Christ. They want nothing to do with the sons. You can't have that. You can't. I know that I know people are sitting there saying, what did he just say, lesbian churches? It takes both male and female. I want you to think on these things, okay? Just don't throw the baby out with the bath bathwater. No eternal seed of God is reproduced out of such unions. To bring forth life, it's necessary to have both male and female. In the midst of God's people, there must be the reality of, of brideship and sonship. I want you to get a hold of that. And he's not talking about what we are naturally, but what we are spiritually. I think... Uh, Paul says it here. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. Well, uh, verse 27. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's that garment that we talked about last week. There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one in Christ Jesus. All one in Christ Jesus. Now John sees this one like a son of man. Like a man girt about the paths, the female breast with a golden girdle. Do, do you see what I'm talking about? The, I mean union. You're complete. Adam was complete. Both male and female. And he called their name Adam. Oh, this is a great mystery. I hope you're getting a hold of this. Within, again, it's nothing about the flesh what we, at all, what we are outwardly here. Within each of us individually, there is a son and a daughter, a male and a female. Why? Because Christ is in you. Gird about with a golden girdle. The golden girdle or, or the golden belt, which goes around the body to hold the garment in place. The, the golden belt is the badge of every matured son. 
The, the golden belt represents a state of being. Now remember, he's getting a revelation of the many-membered body of the Son of Man, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head, we are the body. The golden belt represents a state of being. It's righteousness and truth as a life outpoured. It's the medallion of victory that, that engirdles the sons of God. And it's significant because in the Old Testament, it was called a curious girdle worn by the priest. And a little later on in Revelation, we see angels with golden girdles on. The girdle represents what unites the whole garment. The golden girdle covers the breast and unites all the masculine and feminine attributes of God that they may flow forth truth and righteousness through God's royal priesthood. I mean, that was in his seed. All nations will be blessed out of your bellies. It's coming out of the body of Christ. The beauty of this truth is further enhanced when we see the order of Melchizedek, who was also both male and female. Uh, you split that word down the middle, Melchi, in the Hebrew means uh, my king of, and it's a masculine word. There we go again. And uh, Zadok means righteousness, and it's a feminine word. The full meaning is my king of righteousness. In the order of Melchizedek, these two characteristics of male and female are united in one king priest ministry. Uh, you know, that's what he said, a new order. Not the, after the order of Levi, but a new priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. Kingship speaks of the father nature of God, and the priesthood speaks of the mother nurturing nature of God. God's name is revealed to Abraham as another significant mother figure. You know, he's... He's heard the call to come out of the land of Chaldeans, go into a land that I'll show you to leave his father's house and, and, and you know, to, to travel to that land. And that God would, uh, through his seed, all nations would be blessed. And, you know, after many years, this didn't, didn't just happen. I mean, many years passed. And, and it seems that he was without hope and he's visited by God here in Genesis 17. Chapter 1, or chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make a covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. I mean, here's the first time we hear this word, the Almighty God. Almighty God is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. El means might and power and strength. It means the strong one. And Shaddai, though it describes power, doesn't mean a force. 
It, it means uh, all of all bountifulness. It, power in a different way. What do, I mean, uh, what do I mean by that? You know, a mother, a nursing mother, has the power by feeding a hungry child to strengthen that child, to cause that child to be calm, to cause that child to, to, to eat and go to sleep. See, that's power. But it's not a power of force. It's a power of love and compassion and tenderness and an outpouring. El Shaddai, the two in one here. The mighty strong one, yet not of force, but of plentiness. A running over. Shaddai means primarily breasted. It means one who pours forth like life, the milk of his word. It means he, uh, this is the one who is the nurser. It is uh, children who need to draw from the breast. Now listen to this. Babes need to draw from the breast. It's the older children that have to be weaned from the breast. Both. Takes, takes both. And, you know, just being in nature, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, mama cows, you know, calves too big. She's got a weaning. You know, we, we try to wean our kids, wean them off the pacifier or whatever, you know, and then there's usually a time there. We have a church that's, uh, you know, the babes need the sincere milk of the word. But as you grow up, you grow up into what we call the strong meat. Too many pastors want to keep them on the milk. We must not be only those who draw from the breast of God. We must also develop breasts from which others can draw. You go read the Song of Solomon. You'll see all of this. That's who John sees, the Son of Man. And, and many are destroyed today for lack of knowledge and stunted in their spiritual growth for lack of nourishment. What is called milk is so often diluted and, and polluted. It ministers malnutrition, illness, even death. Paul talked about there's many sick among you, even dead, not discerning what the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this body, this body that John sees girt about the past with the golden girl, he sees one like a son of man who has female breasts, the body, not discerning the body. I just want you to get a hold of that. See, Christ, the nourisher, is here revealing himself to us, in us, as us, through us, as the one who provides the sincere. Sincere means undeceitful, unadulterated milk of the word that the babes in Christ may grow thereby. That's 1 Peter chapter 2. This one who feeds the babes here is girt about the paps with a golden girdle. The girdle speaks of control. The, the breast of Christ give life. Divine nature, for that's the significance of gold. Golden girdle. You see, we have to take our time here because the Holy Spirit 
had to include that, a gold, uh, gird about the paps of the golden girdle. It's very significant. So I, it, it, it does us to take our time and look at this picture. Divine life, the, 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 the Son of Man, Christ, divine life. That's what the gold here is. That's the significance of the gold. There are those who minister milk to babes, but not out of a divine nature. Rather, out of human zeal, out of a desire to be seen and heard and gain a place or position, to control other people's lives. They have their own agenda. See, if I can uh, keep everybody as babes, I'll always be in charge. Paul said the, the ministers here the, to grow us up, to come to the full stature. A church wants to keep everybody babes. You know, it's just like keeping you in kindergarten for the rest of your life. I've, I've went to some churches before and seen their, seen their programs and seen their Bible study and seen around. And, and my goodness, terrible, terrible, so childish, so childish. These frustrate the grace of God. The nourishment we, for, we provide must be under the control of the Spirit of God in our lives. The golden girdle. Now Christ is the feeder, the nourisher. We feed on the Christ in one another. Now hear me here. We feed on Christ in one another because where is He? He's in you. He's in me. In, in the natural, how does a mother, a nursing mother, feed her, her child? She has to hold that child close to her bosom, her, her breast, to feed that child. She can't do it from across the room. In the natural, she, it has to be close. We must draw close enough to, to one another in the spirit as John did. Remember John, he said, he, he said in the place of closeness, I mean, John, who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus, he hungered for truth and reality, to draw from the life of the Lord, to drink truth from Jesus. And when I say that we must be close enough to one another, that's why these mega churches can never have the intimacy of of what this is all about. See, we must know one another. We must draw one another. We, when it says we weep with those that weep, we mourn with those that mourn, we laugh with those that laugh, uh, this ain't having no little select groups. This is a body, an organism that is so close to one another that we feed off of one another because Christ is in you and Christ is in me. So we must be close So these these mega churches with all this and, uh, you know, thousands and thousands and hundreds and thousands of people. You miss it. It's intimate. It's knowing each other. So this John who, who, who laid his head on the bosom of Jesus is the same, one, same John here on Patmos who beheld the glorified Son of Man here, Christ in the midst of the churches with the golden girdle upon his Paps, uh, everything we need is in Him. Now, let me say something else here. Joint dominion. All creation being set in order, 
One was needed to take the headship in the visible realm to bring the authority and the blessings of God's kingdom over all things. God said, let them have dominion. Who was them? Male and female. God blessed them. God said unto them, have dominion over everything. Uh, let me go back over here. Listen. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Him, them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. God blessed them, male and female. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. God said unto them, have dominion, subdue the earth. He changed it from him to them. God blessed them, male and female. He gave them jointly the place of universal government. That's what this whole thing about is two governments. I've been trying to tell everybody for so long. It's about two governments. The government of the kingdom and the government of Satan. Principalities, powers. He's far above all of that. All the realms from the lowest bottomless pit to the highest of heavens were set under the joint Dominion, as typified by the fish of the sea, the beasts of the earth, the fowls of the heavens. These three realms symbolically encompass all fears of existence from lowest depths of darkness into the highest dimensions of light. And Jesus confirmed the true scope of man's dominion when as the last Adam, as son of man, he descended into the lowest parts of the earth and then ascended up far above all heavens. He, he set the captives free. He led captivity captive. He liberated the captives and ascended far above all heavens, far above all principalities and powers. And guess what? We have been raised up with him, made to sit together with him in heavenly places. Yet we're right here. I'm standing right here on, on the earth. Now people say, oh, so you're calling this heaven. Listen, being raised up to the highest heaven is not a geographical location. That's what I've been trying to say for a long, long time. Heaven is not a geographical location over there somewhere. Like in Florida Disney World. It, it, it's not. That's ge geography. This is not it. It's a dimension of spiritual reality and power. All power is given to Him in both heaven and earth. Now this is the mag magnificence of that dominion given to Adam who is both male and female. Now they lost it. Jesus is... Got it back. Just as God is father and mother over his creation, so the rulership given to the sons of God must exhibit both the masculine and the feminine characteristics of God's nature. It must be the last Adam, Christ. The last Adam, Christ. And Eve, the bride, the sons on Mount Zion and the new Jerusalem, which is the bride coming down from heaven. Kings and priests, truth and grace, strength and compassion, righteousness and mercy. 
The sons of God are the temple of God. We read that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Let me go back over there. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We read that a few minutes ago in 2 Corinthians. Uh, now Revelation chapter 11. Listen to this. There was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Arise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city. They shall tread under forty and two months. And then go down to verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. Now who's the temple? Wait a minute, I read over in in. Paul's writing that we're the temple of God. Now he says, measure the temple of God. Wait a minute, who's the temple? We're the sons of God are the temple. You're the temple of God. So he's not talking about some temple over there, some, some literal city. And the temple of God, which is what was opened in heaven, how, uh, the temple of God, now, now let me just say this, the temple of God, who's the temple? You are. Was open in heaven. Now where are you seated? With Christ in the heavenly places. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Where was the ark in the temple? Right in the middle of it. He's given you a new heart. And there were lightnings and voices and thunders and earthquake and great hail. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Man, I can't wait till we get into them verses. Get to dive into that a little bit better. And he saw the, the bride of Christ as the city of God, New Jerusalem. Now, just go with me to Revelation chapter 21. Verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vows or the seven plagues, of the, of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show ye. I'll show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me in the Spirit, carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. I'll show you the bride. And what did he see? The great city, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming where? Descending out of heaven from God. Now where is this? The temple was in the middle of the city of Jerusalem. So if the city's descending, where's the temple at? In the middle. Who's the temple? The temple are, are the people of God. Now, in the middle of that temple, we see Christ. I'm just throwing these things out there. That city is the holy city, New Jerusalem. And every stone that makes that up is a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Peter says... This temple is a living thing, composed of living saints, not dead stones, living stones. And in that temple, the redeemed are the pillars and foundation, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom we also are builded together as the habitation of God through the Spirit. He said, I will be in them, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
John is transported in the spirit to a great and high mountain, the heights, what, that high mountain, the, the, the heights of the kingdom of God, Mount Zion. And he saw the bride perfected in all her beauty and glory. A bride adorned for a husband. Who's her husband? Christ Jesus. Not a city of stone, but a new Jerusalem, a living city, a bride beyond compare, a virgin, pure and holy, composed of the incorruptible saints brought forth out of the living substance of Christ. The holy city in the image and likeness of God, jointly ruling over all things, jointly ruling, male and female. Created he them. He said to them have dominion. He goes on to say the nation shall walk in the light of the city. Nations shall bring into it their glory. The tree of Christ is in the midst of it. And the water of life flows from the authority of the throne of God. This is God, male and female, ruling over all. This is the Son of Man with authority and power, girt about the living, uh, the life-giving paps with a golden girdle. Now, next week, we're going to be in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. And we're going to look at his head, his hairs, uh, white as wool. White as snow, his eyes were flame as fire, his feet like fine brass, burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. Hope you can see this dual. It's really one nature. It's God's nature. He's, he's strength, he's love, he's compassion. But to us, it's seen in male and female, mother, father. That's how it's, it's given to us. I hope, hope you can see that. I hope you'll... Uh, uh, again, if, you, if you're new to this, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share this video. You know, we got it on Facebook and we got it on YouTube Live. The more people that uh, share and like it, the more we get it out there. So I hope you'll uh, help us out in that aspect. And I uh, hope to see you Sunday right here. And Lord bless you all.